I am so excited. I am pumped. Do you realize how much noise you made sitting down just then? Seriously. We haven't heard that kind of noise in this sanctuary in a long time, or in this worship center. You made a lot of noise. Let's start really making noise when we sit down, because that means people are back. We are back. And you know, and the great thing about it is, is that we still have a lot of folks joining us online. And as people are coming back, we're not seeing those numbers drop. The excitement about what Jesus is doing in this church is growing. It is growing. Now, with that, I want to introduce this sermon by uh, taking a look at uh, what we might hear from friends and neighbors if we were to ask them their opinion of the church. Do you ever do that? You ever go next door and knock on the door and say, have you ever been to First Methodist Church, Carrollton? What do you think about it? No, you don't, do you? I, you know, you're, you're thinking, is he going to make me do that? You know, here's what I think they would say. I think they would say or think, because they've never been here, that it's boring. Okay? Um, the sermon's boring. At least they haven't heard me, you know. <laughs> Music is boring. People are boring. Now, and you know what, <clears throat> what people really mean when they use the word boring is that it doesn't relate to me and my life. They don't think the church relates to them. And I think the challenge for the church today <clears throat> is <laughs> to really take seriously the battles that people are facing on a daily basis. That, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, he was always cutting right at the heart of where people were struggling. And so everywhere he went, crowds followed. Everywhere he went, there was energy. Everywhere he went, people were hanging on every word because Jesus had answers. He was cutting to the heart of where they were, what they were struggling with. And then what we saw in his crucifixion and resurrection is Jesus himself was the answer. He is the answer. And on the weekend that he was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead, Jesus not only showed us how much he loves us, but the great possibilities of living for Christ. The great possibilities. And oh, I just, I long for those outside the church to hear that message. To hear the possibilities, the opportunities that God is laying before us daily in spite of our circumstances. You know, it's for this reason that the disciples went from frightened, hiding disciples the day after the crucifixion to bold, outspoken, willing to do whatever it took to share the name of Jesus with anyone who would listen. 
And, and so this morning, what I want to do is we get ready to hear the profession of faith of these young people that are before us today is to talk about what it is that sets us apart as followers of Jesus Christ. Who we are, that we may be like him. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. May these words be your words for all that I don't speak or misspeak, O oh God, fill in the gaps. Hide me behind the cross. We long for you and your word, O oh God. May this just be a vessel, for I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The power of Jesus' gift of love and his victory over death could not be kept silent. It spread like wildfire around the Mediterranean Sea. Um, <laughs> I wish we could illustrate it in some way with a fire, you know, that just spread. And, 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 and as we take a look at not just the gospel account, but historical accounts of what happened in the first century, the more, that the, the more leaders that got arrested, the faster the, grew, the, the church grew. The more leaders that were martyred and put to death, the church grew even faster. Now, that, that doesn't make sense to me. You would think if, if you instill fear in people, if you take away their leadership, that a movement is going to die. But they weren't taking away the leaders. Jesus was the leader. And they weren't taking away their lives. For their lot, they, they believed that their life reached beyond this physical existence. And so they had no fear. They had no fear. There was nothing, there was nothing that could be done to those early Christians that would slow them down from sharing the name of Jesus. Now, in the New Testament, it tells stories of some of these churches that popped up because they were just popping up like crazy around the Mediterranean. And particularly the churches that Paul started. One of those churches, um, verse 1 of Philippians calls the church his joy and crown. The church at Philippi was the best church he started, and by his writings, his favorite church. And obviously, if we, in reading Acts and reading the letter, we, we get the impression that the church at Philippi, they didn't give Paul any problems, you know? Not like a usual church. No, no excuse me. No. <laughs> Most of the letters are written to address problems. Philippians is written to compliment, encourage, and, and share joy about what they're doing. And so for this reason, as Paul's waiting to be executed, he writes this letter to them to encourage, to share joy, to share affection, and love. 
while he's waiting to be executed. Did you hear that? While he's waiting to be executed, joy, gratitude, affection, love. Because for Paul, none of this mattered. Only this mattered. And as these young people come to make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, that is the profession that they make this morning. Not in this place, but in this one. And in chapter 4, and I want to really hone in on the passage that Cindy read for you, but in chapter 4, Paul shares three of the promises of God. First is the joy that surpasses all understanding in verse 7. Second is the power of God by which we can do anything that God calls us to do, 4.13. And the provision of God which satisfies every need that we have, 4.19. I want to focus on 4.13. Because I think it is Philippians 4.13 that the modern church needs today more than anything else. As we deal with a growing negative society and a resistance, a cultural resistance to the church, this is the passage we, do, we need. A passage of power, strength, and promise. Now, let's look at 11, 12, and 13. I'm going to start with 11 and 12. Not that I'm referring to being in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know that what it is to have little, I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being well-fed, of going hungry, of having plenty, of being in need. This captures Paul's testimony. In so many words, Paul says the secret of living a full and meaningful life is not tied to the things of this world. It's not tied to what you do, what you accomplish. It is by faith and living in every way possible for Jesus Christ. And, and in the way that the Greek is written here, that particular statement basically uh, the things of this world no longer matter to me. I know what it means to have many, plenty. I know what it means to have want. I've been in all circumstances, and this is what I have learned. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, literally in the Greek, the, actually that translation is a holdover from the King James that dates back to the 17th century correct reading of that passage is in all things I am giving strength to prevail through the one who empowers me. In all things I'm giving strength to prevail. It doesn't say I can do all things. You know, I, I sometimes look at that passage and I go, does that mean if I pray hard enough I can play tennis? Are, uh, there's no way I could play tennis. I physically, I can't do that anymore. That's not what this passage is about. This passage is about meeting every circumstances as 
Paul met his impending execution. In all things, I am given strength to prevail. In all things, I am given the ability to face it. In all things, I will have confidence because of the one who is in me. In all things, there is nothing in this world that can come against me that my Lord cannot handle. In all things, I am given strength to prevail through the one who empowers me. And in this light, obstacles become opportunities. Obstacles become opportunities. You know, we, we see obstacles as stopping places. Um, we say, you know, I don't, I don't have much to offer. I, um, I just don't, I don't have much that's distinctive. I'm struggling to get through the next day. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with, an, with a particular illness or a family member who's sick or, or, or a divorce or a family problem or work. Or, I mean, we can just list it off. There is, I would guess, not one doorway household that behind it there is not some struggle that is taking place. For those of you online and for those in this room today, right? I'm just too broken. No matter how many times we have fallen, no matter how many times we have been broken, God knows where the pieces belong. God knows where the pieces belong. I can do in all things I'm given strength to prevail through the one who empowers me. It's not about me. It's not about what I have. It's not about how broken I am. For I really think at times that the more broken I am, the greater that God can use me. The greater the obstacle comes an even greater opportunity. An opportunity for God to work. And here's the deal. In God's family, there are no second-class children. In God's house, there's no such thing as second class. We are not measured by what we have or what we have done or what we have accomplished. We are measured by our devotion and our faith. Not what we do, but how we live. You know, in, when I look back at Jesus, uh, this passage reminds me of, of the, the quote from Mark in chapter 11. And we, it was in the song that we sang earlier, uh, 11, uh, verse 23, where Jesus says, Truly I tell you, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and if you do not doubt in your heart, but believe that you, um, what you say will come to pass, it will be done for you. Mountain, by the way, is a metaphor for obstacles. And we look at that and we think, well, you know, what does that mean? Can we really take the mountains and put them in the sea? That's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is 
that he has given us the strength to prevail in everything. That it is like we can say to this mountain, this obstacle, this impediment, this brokenness, I will no longer see you as a barrier in my life, but I hand it over to my Lord who has all things at his disposal. And just as Paul proclaims the power of Christ, so Jesus wants us to name our mountains that he may move them. Pastor Greg Boyd tells a story about a 5K. He was a runner. He loved to run 5Ks. This was, he actually liked to run longer, but this was a fundraiser. And as he started out, he passed by a very strange scene. Um, it was a woman walking backwards and a young teenager, he really couldn't tell exactly what the age was, that had no legs, one arm, two fingers. And the mother, or I guess it was the mother, the woman was encouraging him, and he was taking his fingers, and he would push one wheel and then reach over and push the other, and push one wheel and reach over and push the other. And he thought, isn't this interesting? I wonder how long he will last, <laughs> inch by inch. So he ran the race and, and uh, I think came in second in his age group. And he was waiting around for the medal ceremony. And then the word came. It was about two hours later. Bobby's about to cross the finish line. And this huge crowd began to gather. And as he looked, he could see Bobby. His fingers now were bandaged from blisters. And he would say to his mom, get out of my way, <laughs> you know, I'm doing this myself. And as he came across the finish line, he overheard the answer to the question, why are you doing this, Bobby? So that I can show others what even I can do with what God has given me. One arm and two fingers. God has given us so much. Let's focus on what God has given us. Let's focus on the strength that is poured out in abundance upon us. Let us focus on the opportunities that are before us. Let us see what God can do. And then let them call us boring. Okay? <laughs> then let them say that you no longer are dealing with the battles that I face every day because the battles that we face are the battles that everybody else faces. And when they hear the stories of faith, they will follow as they follow Jesus because that's who we will be proclaiming. To hear the answers for their lives. It's not what you do that counts. It is how you live. How you live. 
several years in a previous church, um, just talking about how God works. We were kind of going through the same uh, subject matter, the goodness of God, how God works, how we are different, and what can we do to show that? And this idea came up that we had a lot of kids in the church, let's pray for the kids. Well, but, you know, we want to make sure that the, there's not, you know, some, uh, some exposure here. So what we decided to do is we would just use first names. We'd make these keychains for each one of the kids. And then we would just distribute them anonymously with those who are willing to pray for those children every day to see what would happen. It was absolutely incredible. You know, and, and there were those who would say, you know, well... You know, it's because we're all praying. And others said, you know, no, God is using those prayers to affect the lives of these families. And others will say, it's because, you know, something is happening within those who are praying. But I do know that this happened. One Sunday morning, a couple was sitting at the back of the church. And after the worship service was over, the lady behind them said, you have such a sweet daughter. How old is she? Two years old. And she said, what's her name? And he said, Clara. And she said, you know, it was two years old, and she reached into a purse. Two years ago, she reached into a purse, and she pulled out the tab that said Clara on it. I've been praying for your daughter for two years. How's she doing? Afterwards, the mom said to me, she said, you know, my husband and I were just talking about how well things were going in our family and how healthy our child is, and, and, and we, we're looking forward to having another child. Do you think that lady's prayers were making a difference? <laughs> no? No. <laughs> yes. And you know what? Even if they had a faced difficult times, I truly believe that God would have, through those prayers, given them the ability to deal with whatever might come. I hear stories every day, every week, excuse me, not every day, but every week about what God is doing, how God is using prayers. In everything, in everything, I'm given strength to prevail through the one who empowers me. Our lives, our church, our community needs the work of Christ. There is no reason for fear. There is no reason for anxiety and trepidation. We have the one who gives us strength for whatever comes. For whatever comes. One more story and I'm done. Uh, this week I learned that the um, Methodist Church in Africa started praying for the Methodist churches in the United States. I got to tell you, as fast as they're growing over there, I want them, pray I want them praying for us. You know why they're praying for us? Absolutely. They think that our materialism 
and our spiritual drift is eroding the message of Jesus. And so they're praying for us. And I want to tell you, the political, economic, educational problems in Africa are so much greater than ours. And yet they are praying for us because they know the strength that overcomes every circumstance. I don't know where you are this morning and what you're dealing with, but as these young people come to give their life to Jesus, I invite you to give your life to Jesus. And if you've already done it, to say, Lord, you know, I've got this situation or I've got this situation, and I just pray right now that you will lead me to just the right person at just the right time, that you would help me to overcome, that you would give me strength to face this day and to fight this battle. And God will. God will act through Jesus Christ.